Welcome and thank you for downloading the Trinity Now podcast, recorded live from Trinity Church of Wesley Chapel. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. Now, let's join Pastor Dave. We, uh, we have something special for you today. Um, I, I have known uh, Mary Ann for, wow, long, long time. Long, long time. And, and uh, I was always in, intrigued by her because she was a missionary. And, and she has done countless um, missionary trips um, throughout throughout her life, and and, uh, and and that always that was something that just I don't know. I guess in in my heart of hearts, I, I've always felt like wow, that would just be such a what an opportunity that would be. And so you know, this is our last uh, mission Sunday um, of of the year, and and back when we were trying to figure out what to do with our mission Sundays. Um, a few months ago, I, I thought, wow, this would finally, after four years of being here, this is actually, this is the first time I, I'm, I'm going to have an opportunity to have Mary Ann come and actually speak about, about the, where, well, where she's been, but, but those that, that the lives that, that she has come in contact with and still supports today uh, over in, in Ukraine. Um, and then this week, just to make matters better, um, Marianne gets pneumonia. <clears throat> so I hope you can read sign language. No. Um, it's, and then on top of pneumonia, she gets a cold. I didn't know you could do that. But, but we have the volume turned up, and I know that, that she has an awesome story um, to be able to share with you today. So Marianne, if you would come. God bless you. Thank you. I do know sign language, but I won't, I won't belabor that. I just want to thank you for inviting me to speak about Ukraine and the ministry that God has blessed me with there. Since Ukraine and Russia have made the news in the past six months, and you've probably seen it on television, I'd just like to share a first a little about the history. And as the map is up there, you can um, see what I'm talking about. <clears throat> And then I'd like to share a little bit about the ministry that I am happy to be a part of. There's about 48 million who live in Ukraine compared to 143 million in Russia. Physically, Ukraine has 233,000 square miles, a little bit smaller than Texas. But Russia has about 6.5 million square miles, covering one-eighth of the Earth's inhabited area. In 2012, Ukraine began planning how they would join the European Union and not be dependent on Russia anymore for their trade. Last winter, the Ukrainian President Viktor Yanukovych was supposed to sign an agreement with the European Union, which would give Ukraine access to the West, to to Europe's $17 trillion economy and 500 million customers. But instead, he decided to strengthen the relationships with Putin and Russia. So a revolt began, 
and Yanukovych was ousted in February. He had embezzled $350 million with a loss to Ukraine up to $100 billion in assets. From Russia, he is now using that money to fund the pro-Russian separatists with unmarked troops and military equipment into Ukraine, which has been called a stealth invasion. They've claimed Crimea and three regions in eastern Ukraine. Then in July, the Russians shot down the Malaysian airline, which killed over 298 people. And from that time, the fighting increased, with over 4,000 Ukrainians who have been killed. The natural gas Ukrainians use for heating comes from Russia, and since they're in debt to Russia, this winter may be difficult for them because Russia has said that they would turn off the heat for four hours every night and four hours every day. There are thousands of troops on the border of Ukraine as we speak, and the citizens are wondering what's going to happen next to them. I first decided going on my... Uh, mission trips in 1995. My first one was with Josh McDowell to Russia. After going to Russia three times, I began going on short-term mission trips to Ukraine. And over the years, I've been to Russia five times, and I've made 15 trips to Ukraine. I befriended two of my interpreters, Ruslan and Olga Antonov, who invited me to stay with them, and then they became like family to me. They call me their American mom, and their kids call me Babushka, Marianne. The last 13 trips I went, I stayed with them in the little town of Zhutomer, a city of 270,000 people, which is 4,800 miles and seven time zones away from Michigan. And I figured up the other day, if I told all the time I'd been in Ukraine and Russia, I've been there almost one year. Ruslan and Olga are first-generation Christians, And that means their parents were not Christians, their grandparents, their great-grandparents. First generation. Ruslan has been a pastor for the past 10 or more years. Uh, He was was not when I first met him. His love for the Lord continues to inspire him to work diligently serving the people in western Ukraine. Besides preaching last year, he became the administrator of the International Revival Mission, who has their headquarters in Indianapolis. There's about 20 pastors in the IRM organization who live in several oblasts or counties in the western part of Ukraine, and they're united to help the poor with their food, their heat, and to share the gospel. Over the years, people have given me money to help me with a ministry in Ukraine, which I call God's money. God has provided over $50,000 to buy homes, pay for funerals, Weddings, schooling, hospital bills, cars. One of my friends uh, had to have surgery, and she had to sell her only cow to pay for the hospital bill. God's money bought her another cow. One of my pastor friends named Victor had ten children, and his youngest was impaled when he fell off a ladder, and a pipe went through his uh, side. I think he was only five years old, and And they worried, what would they do? Because they had no money, and God's money provided for that. And every year when I would see Pastor Victor, he would thank me, and and I would just smile. And then the last time that I ran into them, this same boy, who is now a teenager, ran out, gave me a hug, pulled up his shirt so I could see the scar, and said, thank you. And I had to remind him, it wasn't me, it was God that provided. When I visit Ukraine, I love to go to small villages 
where I know a lot of the people there. And going in those villages takes you back in time. They have horses and carts and wells, and they have outdoor bathrooms. (laughs) They make hay with a scythe, and they dig potatoes by hand. And when I'm there, I'm Baptist, and the people call me Sister Mary. We speak different languages, but we're one in the Lord. All the Baptist churches in Ukraine have to be registered with the government so they know exactly who they are and where they're located. This information may be used one day to close them if they should lose this freedom. And in this former communist country, the believers take their faith very seriously. When you become a member of the church, you promise to serve Christ until death. I know people who have gone to jail in the past for allowing children under 12 to attend Sunday school. That doesn't happen anymore, but their religious freedom is never taken for granted. Several years ago, I was told that we were going to go to a revival meeting, and there were three pastors and I, and we were going to go from church to church with this Jesus film. (coughs) Excuse me. When the old Russian Lada car that Pastor Peaver drove broke down, I wondered, what would we do? Help was called, and we were pulled by a rope from village to village, showing this Jesus film. I had never before witnessed what happened during that time, and, and this old Jesus film, reel to reel, with all the static in it, we would go to a village, and they would meet at a social center, and the whole village would stand up at the end and receive Christ. It's like something I've never, never seen before anywhere, and And the people were so sincere, and churches were started, and there was revival there. This former communist society was finally ready to receive the hope that Jesus offers. Many were never allowed to be inside a church before the Soviet rule. Still, some don't trust people in the society where the death rate is higher than the birth rate. It's truly a place for ministry. In 1986, the world's largest disaster it happened in Chernobyl, and this is only 150 miles from where I go, north of Zhitomer. affected the whole region, and that's part of my current ministry now. So many people have cancer from the radiation um, that I, I noticed one year that when I was visiting the sick, a lot of them were bed-bound. They, they spent most of their life in bed, and they didn't even have indoor plumbing. And so I knew there was uh, a need to help those people who couldn't meet their basic needs. So I came up with a thought for sending commodes and adult diapers, which are not available there. Since that time, God has literally provided thousands and thousands of diapers that I've shipped over there. I've sent commodes, crutchers, walkers, and medical supplies. I remember a lady in Chudnev Church waited a long time after church to talk to me, and she said, you know, my husband received a commode, and that's the only reason he received Christ. He thought if somebody cared enough to send that, that he would receive Christ. And so I thought we could call it commodes for Christ, but, but we didn't. <laughs> when I visit churches, which they call house of prayer, like they do in, in Acts in the New Testament, I take what I call care packs, which are just small baggies full of toothbrushes, sewing kits, washcloth seeds. I've given away thousands and thousands of seeds. Their, their climate is the same as Michigan, and they grow, they grow well there. The people are very poor, 
The last time I took, it's very hot sometimes, and I took just fans that I got at Webster. And when, before I gave them out, the pastor announced that I had brought in them air conditioners. <laughs> Each summer, I sponsor a youth camp in a little village called Buki, where Ruslan grew up. And I tell Bible stories and do Christian object lessons each day at camp. We uh, travel all over the small villages when I'm there and speak in many of the churches. Special blessing came from Trinity back when Pastor A.C. was here. I was asked by Ruslan for an electric wheelchair <clears throat> for a young man, Volodia, who was a member of Chudin of Church. My husband David and I searched the Goodwill stores, the garage sales. We looked for good ones. And one day I was going over to the Trinity office, which is where Dave and Shirley live now, and, and um, going over to pick up a commode, and there was an wheel, electric wheelchair there. And I, and I said uh, to Joanna, um, whose is that? And she said, oh, that thing? We walk around it all the time. Somebody donated. We don't know what to do with it. God put it there for, for me, <laughs> for him to use. We sent it. It was a a big deal. They had to get their own battery, and we shipped it. Everything I ship goes on a boat, and it takes six weeks. And I was so hoping it would work when it got there, and I kept saying, did Velodia get it? Did he he get it? Because he cannot walk. He crawls up the steps to the church. It finally came, and it worked, and he took it downtown in this Chudnif, and people ran to him because they'd never seen one before. And they said, "Where where would you ever get a thing like that? And he smiled and said, God sent it to me. What a blessing that was. For the past 10 years, I pledged to help with support for Ruslan and Olga so that Olga wouldn't have to go back to work as a policewoman, which would require her to work 10-hour days, six days a week. It's a great blessing from God that he used people to provide this God's money again. For 10 years, I've sent them $300 each month for support. My Michigan church gives $100 usually each month, but the rest is supplied on a faith basis. And we've gone 10 years, or 10 years, 120 months, $300 every month. When God guides, he provides. I'd like to show you a few uh, slides now. Oh, they're already up there. I was going to go over them. This is a former communist church uh, camp where the, it's um, called Pioneers, and, we, and now it's used for Christian, tr- uh, teaching Christian kids. Go ahead and go through them. This is Ruslan and Olga. Um, a few years ago, their, child, their oldest child is now 14. They have a little girl, too. Okay. This is a common sight in the villages with, a, with a horses and carts. This is a mailbox for the poor people. You hang a purse on your fence. Some of the children are very poor and they're very sad and you can tell, you can tell that they are hurting. After I showed this one in one church, because uh, the kids didn't have any pants on, they sent a lot of clothes over to them. And that's how they're dressed. This was probably the worst place I had ever been. Um, there weren't even legs on the crib. We took the supplies and um, some food to them. This is a well. Uh, the first time, I, first time I tried to use the well, I threw the rope and the pail and the whole thing in. They said, oh, we have a stick to get it out for Americans that come over and do that. <laughs> <laughs> 
on the street, it's very common to people to grow potatoes or vegetables and sell them just to get some extra money because they don't um, they don't have money. One some people were even buying used light bulbs that didn't work. Why would you do that? So you could take it into a store when no one was looking and replace it with a good one and take it home. This is, oh, and it doesn't, this isn't, it's not stretched too good, but his is the tallest man in the world, Leonid, Leonid uh, Stanek, and he's eight foot three. And we, those are two other pastors, and I, he, he can fix his roof without a ladder. <laughs> this is Chudnip Church. Um, God's money helped build this church. People gave me money, and I can remember one that was just a basement. And this is the mural that's on the front. It's about 20 feet high. It says, God loves you. Bog i lubu. And then this is uh, people represented all the, representing all the countries. Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is a young, man, a young lady receiving some seeds. They look forward to those seeds every year. Glasses. This lady, you can see she was holding some glasses without the bows. Took him a lot of glasses. And there's the air conditioners. This is uh, even Opal Church. Many of the churches are house churches. Um, They have just a house and they redo them a little bit. And um, I think the next one... is These are the older ladies that go there. They had this dinner for me because I was coming... It's mostly older women. The men on the left, at the back are some of the pastors, nearby pastors. If you wore a scarf, um, that means that you're married. This is why I started taking um, walkers over there. I met this lady that used a table to walk, and so I started sending walkers. I've sent many, many there. Uh, one lady had a stick one time, and, and she was all bent over. And as I took the walker, and she stood up straight and walked across, the, walked across the floor, and it was just like a miracle to see that happen. This is a Denishi um, orphanage. Many, many orphanages there. Chernobyl did a number on a lot of the kids. Uh, these are kids who are mentally challenged. This little girl here, I followed throughout her teenage years in the, in the sweater. This is an orphanage um, that wanted meat. They'd been praying for meat, and God's money brought meat, and those are sides of something, beef maybe, or maybe sheep, I don't know. And this, is, this is teaching in the uh, Bible school in Pastor, uh, this is another Victor, that's him by his old car there, um, uh, at their church. This is a camp in Buki. We usually have about 100 kids that come to camp there. And that's it. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to share about those who live in Ukraine today. Bless them today as they struggle in their poverty. Help them to know how much you love them and care for them. Father, keep them strong in their faith and faithful to you. I ask a special blessing today for Ruslan and Olga as they minister to your people in Ukraine. 
As they experience the uncertainties of war, guide them and give them direction and leadership as they so desire. Thank you for your brothers and sisters in faith all over this world. And I pray in the name of the one who reminded us that when we serve the least of these, it is we have, as if we are serving Jesus himself. Amen. That looked like a baptism. There was there was a picture of a baptism there, wasn't it? Oh, well, there we go. Yeah, oh, there's a baptism. It's happening. It's happening there. It's, uh, thank you, Marianne. I, um, Wow. Open your Bibles, please, to um, Luke. Luke chapter 1 and verse 66. You don't have to stand. You can just sit. How special that is. Hmm. Okay, <clears throat> and all, all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, what kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Let's bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, it is, it is amazing what can happen when your hand is, is upon us. What can be achieved? when your hand is upon us. Lord, not, not by our expertise, not, not, from, not from our talents, but through our obedience and the power of, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, things happen. And, and Father, we thank you for this time to, to be together. I thank you for for Marianne and for her, her obedience, her willingness to be able to take a step to, to help um, in another country for, uh, for people that, that there's a language barrier. But in all of it, Father, there is no language barrier between them and you. And, and Father, you are touching hearts and you're touching lives, and, and I thank you for that. Bless this time that we're together, that as we open your word to know how special it is. And I pray this in your most precious name. Amen. You know, um, uh, I want you to, to, to notice the, the last sentence in that scripture that I read. And, and of course, what, I, what I'm reading is, is the encounter that, that Zacharias and, and Elizabeth had um, their, the account of, of the parents um, of John the Baptist. And, and when you get down, and, and where I want you to take note of here is, is that last sentence uh, in, in verse 66, which says, and, and the hand of the Lord was with him. The child had been born. 
John had been born. They were obedient in, in listening to, to uh, the angel. And the angel said, his name shall be John. And, and that's, and, but the, the hand of the Lord was with him. And, and when we see this, meaning that the hand of the Lord was with John after that child was born. And what does that mean? What does it mean when we say that? And what it means, well, first of all, just, just so that you understand and we can kind of get a, a grasp on, on time here, that, that John the Baptist was actually born about six months before Jesus was born. There was that time in, in there where, where Mary, um, and undoubtedly we'll cover this um, sometime during the Advent season, but, but when Mary was, was having the issues with, with um, um, Joseph because she ends up pregnant when, when, they are, when they are betrothed to each other. Um, and, and actually what, what happens, and it doesn't really go into it in Scripture, but, but it, it, it says that Joseph had the mind to cast her away. You know, uh, uh, generally, you know, she could have been stoned, but that, that isn't what happened. And, John, and Joseph honestly loved her, and so he, he sent her away. Well, where did he send her? He sent her to Elizabeth's. To, and to Zacharias and Elizabeth. And, and as, and as um, uh, Elizabeth was, was pregnant with, with John the Baptist, of course they didn't call him John the Baptist at that particular time, but, but they knew his name was going to be John. Um, and as Mary came to the house to be with, with Elizabeth, um, uh, the baby inside Elizabeth leapt. It wasn't a kick. It wasn't what we normally feel as a kick. It, it actually, Scripture says that, that the baby within her, John, John, that baby, leapt within her. What a, what a kick that must have been um, to, to have felt that. But, but Elizabeth knew there was something special about the baby that, that Mary was carrying. But John was born about six months before, before Jesus. The hand of the Lord was with him. And, and what that means, guys, is, is this, that the hand of the Lord was with him. God had a plan. He had a plan. And, and John was a part of that plan. He was a part of it. God had a plan for him. And, and the plan was, was in motion. And, and, you know, guys... Sometimes we have a problem seeing a plan in, in motion. If, if we're not there at the very beginning to watch it all start, if we aren't paying attention to it, when, when a plan starts, starts forming and, and, and beginning, then it's difficult to see the plan as it is in motion until the conclusion of the plan. And at the conclusion of the plan, sometimes when we haven't seen the plan, as it has moved along... And as, as it, when it started and, and the process of the plan moving along like that and the conclusion, sometimes we think, well, that's coincidence. It's a chance happening. Guys, I want you to understand something. There are no coincidences when it comes to God. None. It isn't God reacting to us. Please wipe that out of your thoughts. God does not react to us. We react to him in the plan that he has for us. Listen, too many Christians today feel that they can, they can 
honestly accept the Lord as their Savior and then sit for the rest of their lives and do nothing with it. And I'm going to tell you now that that's a mistake. To think that, that God is only interested in, in just you accepting him as Lord and Savior and sitting there and doing nothing with it is one of the biggest mistakes that Christians make today. God has a plan, and I can tell you this with, with, with everything that is within me, to say that God has a plan and he has one for you and he is expecting you to be part of that plan. Not, there is nobody that is, here's my plan for you. I want you just to sit here. I don't want you to do anything else. Just sit there and keep your mouth shut. That's not God. That's not what he does. He has a plan for you to affect somebody else. You see, what was, what was the plan for John? The plan for John is that he would precede Jesus. That was John, that was the plan that he had for him. He would precede Jesus. He would pave the road for Jesus as, as, as Jesus was to be born before that. And as John grew up, it became very, very obvious what, what John's purpose was, was going to be. But, like I said, there has to be a starting point for, for the plan. And, and with John's starting point for the plan for John, started 700 years before the birth of Christ. 700 years before it. Flip over in your Bibles to Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, starting in verse, in verse 3. As I pull out. Marianne, you did very well. You only coughed once, having, having pneumonia and everything. And those throat lozenges really do help, don't they? Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 3, where it says this, the vo- and this will sound familiar to you, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. God doesn't come up with a plans like this. He doesn't have to. He makes plans 700 years before, before Christ was, was ever born. A plan for someone to lead the way for Jesus. The first advent of Jesus Christ. The first advent that we celebrate this Christmas was in, was in the work 700 years before Christ ever, ever stepped foot on this, on this earth. The plan for John to lead the way for Jesus. And then you come down to what, what Justin and Amanda were speaking of today. John's parents, Zacharias and, and Elizabeth. And just, and just for kicks, just for kicks, God could have picked a young couple to, to have a child, to have John. He could have done that. God, God, you know, sometimes he does things just to show you that, I, that he is God. You know, as I, as I, at, at the present time, I'm reading Ezekiel on my own, just going through. And, and everything that, that God gives to Ezekiel, he says, Listen, son of man, this is what I want you to tell Israel. 
And, and he gives them a whole line of stuff and he's talking about, about judgment that is to come and, 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 and at the end of it he says, and I'm doing this because then there won't be any question that I am the Lord. You won't have any doubt. Paraphrased, that is. But you will have no doubt that I am the Lord. And, and that's what he does with, with, with uh, uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth. These people are old. They're supposed to be grandparents. They're not supposed to be parents. And, and the way that he comes to Zacharias in the temple and, 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 or, and he, as he brings uh, the angel to him in, in the temple, God could have picked a young couple, but because he's God, he picked grandparents to have the child that they had always prayed for, and they always had prayed for this child, but they gave up on it because they were getting too old, so God gives them John, just to show that he's God. That's true. That would have seen that. And the older I get, the wiser I get. <laughs> so, and, that, and that is very true. God's plan through Ezekiel, or I mean through, through Zacharias and Elizabeth, was starting to come together. Even though man is involved, and man, and man does, God's plan still comes together. Zacharias had a problem believing what God was doing, and, and when he had that problem, okay, well, he needed to have a little attitude adjustment, but they got through it. They got through it, and, and, John, and John was born. Let me read you another scripture. Flip over in your Bibles to Matthew 3. <coughs> Matthew 3, starting in verse 1. Where it says, And in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And now John himself was clothed in camel hair with a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the, the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing, confessing their sins. Prophecy, or the plan, was coming together. God's plan for John the Baptist to pave the way for Jesus Christ was, was coming together. It was the realization of prophecy. Guys, that's what it is. Do you know why, though, and we're going to just take a moment here, do you know why Scripture talks about how John dressed and what he ate? He's wearing a, a camel hair, uh, uh, I don't know, camel hair overthrow, a, a rug on him, and he's tied with a, with a leather belt, and he's, and he's eating locusts and, and wild honey. Do you know why the Bible talks about that? Because John's weird. John is different. If everybody wore camel hair with a leather belt, it wouldn't have been a big deal. But they didn't. That's why 
John was a little bit on the, on, I, I kind of look at him as, as the wild man of Borneo or something, you know. I mean, there was something about John that was different. There was something about him that was different. And, and he ate weird things. He, he didn't eat the normal diet that, that they had in, in those times. Listen, here's why they'd mention this. Because God's hand was upon him. Do you remember that? Do you remember that first scripture where it said John's hand was upon him? John's hand was upon him. And because people were following him. People were, were coming from, from Judea and, and all of the surrounding regions around, around uh, the Jordan River. And they were coming out to this guy who was a little strange. And he had a strange message. But they were coming out to him. And you know, you know we, we mentioned the way he dressed and what he ate because the people still came. It didn't matter to them the way he was dressed. It didn't matter to them the way he looked. His diet really didn't matter to him. Why? It's because it, it wasn't John's ability. It wasn't through John's approach. It, in fact, do you, do you remember... Um, if, if you go back in Scripture, and I believe it's in, in Isaiah that, that talks about, about uh, uh, Jesus or, or the, the Messiah that was to come, it says he was not a handsome guy. Comeliness was not, not uh, part of who he was. Why? Because they didn't want people to follow. Yeah, and you know, God, God could have made Jesus the most handsome guy that had ever walked this earth. They didn't want him to follow the handsome guy. They wanted him to follow the message. They wanted, him to, wanted those people to follow Jesus for what he said, not for the way he looked. And that's the same thing with John. It, it isn't through his, his ability to be, you know, some, some great-looking guy. In fact, he made him a little weird so that the people would follow him and they would follow the message because it wasn't about John's ability. It was about the power of God and the hand that was, that was upon him. Um, God's strength, not John's, and he paves the way for Jesus. He paves the way. So isn't it amazing how God's plan came together? 700 years in the making. But God's plan came together. Despite man getting in the way, despite you know, uh, uh, man's plans, man doing their own plans, um, all of the things that could make God's plan go awry, and yet it never does, the plans still come together, despite man being involved. Against all odds, 700 years, a lot could go wrong. But it didn't. Against all odds, the plan still came together. Folks, do you, think, do you think God has plans for ministry today? Do you think? I certainly hope so. Were the plans he made only for biblical times? No, they weren't. Those kind of things, maybe people think those kind of things, God really isn't involved in them today. Well, first of all, I want you to I want you to understand something about biblical times. As long as there are prophecies in Scripture that have not been fulfilled, guess what? You're living in biblical times. 
because it's still working and it is still happening. You see, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and and tomorrow. God has a plan, and he has a plan for you, and he has a plan for today. Is there still ministry going on? Yes, there's still ministry going on. Yes, his hand is still upon it, and yes, he has expectations for each and every one of you. He has expectations for this church. Folks, there are still lives that need to be saved There are still lives that need to be changed, all in the name of Jesus Christ. And maybe we're like John. Maybe we're weird. I don't know. But it's not through us. It is through him. As you look up here and say, speak for yourself, you weird-looking pastor. But I, you know, it is. It is us. And he has chosen us to do those things. We have, folks, today we give you an opportunity to see what went on around, what is going on around the world. You know, um, uh, I don't know why. I, I, don't, I don't understand the newspapers today. There is still problems going on in the Ukraine. There is still problems going on there. And, and Russia is still a threat. But for some reason, we get tanked up on, on so many other things that are going around the world, and we don't look at it anymore. The news hardly ever covers anything. It's still going on. It's still going on there. Putin is still a creep, and, and he's still a, a little Hitler, and he's still doing things in Ukraine that, that are illegal. And, and, and are just it's terrible. But yet we don't cover it, and so we, can, we just kind of forget about it. But folks, there's a ministry that goes on there. There's a ministry that goes on from this church. Folks, we don't have the luxury of sitting here thinking that God is just going to do things without us because it doesn't work that way. This church can make a tremendous difference in, the, in this community. We and give you the chance today to make a difference in Ukraine. We're going to take a, a, an exit offering today as, as, um, as you leave. Um, we're going to take that. And we're going to send it to, to Ruslan. You know, for the ministry in Ukraine to touch hearts and to touch lives of the very people that you just saw up there. The saving of lives, folks, has always been the plan. Has always been the plan. Saving lives for Jesus Christ. We have that opportunity. It has never stopped. Ministry never stops. Until the Lord returns. And when that day comes, I'll give you the day off. Okay. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. You have placed so many opportunities before us. Um, hearts that, that are hurting. Hearts that, that need to hear the name of Jesus Christ people who need to see the face of Jesus in, in someone else. Lord, I, I know that, that there, are, there are many people who, who are hurting in Ukraine, and, and there are people who are hurting here. And, and Lord, we can't, we can't physically reach out and, and, and touch someone who's in Ukraine, but we can reach out and touch somebody who's here. Father, you, you've never... You never told us that, that being a Christian was a piece of cake. 
You never told us that there was no responsibilities that came with everlasting life, with salvation. There is. Father, help us within our hearts. Put an urgency in our hearts. Put an urgency as, as we give to, to the, the, the ministry in Ukraine. The, the urgency to tell someone, to reach out to someone here in this community. Father, it's, it's all for you. It's for the glory of God. And we, we just pray, Father, that, that you would just continue to work within us. Don't let us fall asleep here. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Trinity Now podcast. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. We hope today's sermon has touched your heart, and we hope you will join us next week for another message from God's Word.